rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of the Cosmic Force. My name is Tyler Reganti, and on tonight's show, we go all the way back to where it started. I'm talking 1977. Marvel Comics published a comic for a yet-to-be-released Star Wars, or yet-to-be-released sci-fi movie, uh, and it continues to change our lives uh, more than 40 years later. That's why you guys are all here. Uh, so welcome to the Cosmic Force, and before, but before we get into that, let me go ahead and introduce the rest of my team here tonight, and that is going to start with Emma, who's got some extra duties tonight in addition to hosting. Uh, she's our producer tonight, so Emma, how's it going over there in the hot seat tonight? <laughs> Hello. I am not stressed at all. It is fine. Um, no, really, I'm I'm doing well. Um, I hope uh, I hope this stream doesn't look too bad for you guys. It's a little choppy, and I'm not sure why. I've been messing with settings for like 30 minutes, but you know what? You can hear us, and that's the point. It's a podcast, and we've got some really fun stuff for you guys tonight. So I hope you enjoy. We are really excited, and I know that it's going to be an awesome night tonight. And Caleb. No cape tonight, Caleb. But uh, we are uh, we, we we do have both the route the, the two flags in the background there. How, how exactly. are you doing tonight? I'm I'm good. I'm taking a slight a slight little break here, even though I might be on break next week. We'll see. But you know we're having a good time here. I'm ready to talk about some old old comics here. You know it's 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 exciting. I'm uh, ready to get into this, and you know we have one more kind of special guest here so tyler why don't you talk a little bit more about that yes yes we have another special guest who who is joining us you know virtually sort of um we couldn't go back to 1977 and talk about the 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 history of this book without our own utini's own historian the keeper of the sacred timeline uh trevor daly he will join us uh he and i shot a little video earlier today uh, to get some of his comments on on this this title, and and we're gonna put that in the show throughout through through you know, different parts, and we'll talk about that. We're really we're really excited to to have him be a part of the show, um, and we'll get to that in a minute. But first, we're gonna start where we always do with our weekly pull list. And uh, Emma, since you are running as producer tonight, that means you have the task of telling everybody what is in their local comic stores this week. That's right. We've got some really, really awesome stuff this week. So starting us off, we have Star Wars Darth Vader number 14 called The Blade Behind the Curtain, written by Greg Pak with pencils by Raphael Yanko, cover by Aaron Cooter and Richard Isanove, colors by Jason Keith, and letters by Joe Caramanga. Um, this was a really, really cool um, issue today, and I highly recommend you read it. All these tie-ins with War of the Bounty Hunters... Always so, so good. Um, So next up, we have another War of the Bounty Hunters tie-in with Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters Jabba the Hutt number one called Trust Issues, written by Justina Ireland. That's right, the High Republic's very own Justina Ireland. Uh, Her first Marvel comic, she said on Twitter. Uh, The art is by uh, Abraham Roberson and Luca Pizzari. The covers, uh, excuse me, the cover is by Mahmoud Asrar and Matthew Wilson. 
Colors by Edgar Delgado and Giada Marchisio. And letters by Ariana Maher. And last up, we've got some High Republic action today. Uh, we've got Star Wars The High Republic Adventures number six. It's called Mission to Bilbosa Part 1, written, as always, by Daniel Jose Older, art by Harvey Tolibau and Pau Rodericks, A cover by Harvey Tolibau, colors by Rebecca Nalti, and letters by Jake Wood. And as always, all of the links to all of the all three of these comics, the Comicsology affiliate links are in the description below. So if you don't have any of these, I know uh, this morning I totally forgot that Job of the Hut number one was coming out, and yeah. it didn't uh, it didn't catch up with my uh, subscription because it's it's counted as like a separate thing from War of the Bounty Hunters. So I was like, oh, I forgot. So then I went on Utini, found the <laughs> affiliate link, and bam, there we go. So if you want to do that, they're all in the description below. I, I was going to comment. I was I was excited about reading uh, Job of the Hut because this was the first uh, one shot that we've had for Ward the Bounty Hunters. So yeah, it was uh, very was good. I good. thought that's good to hear because I haven't got made my way to my my comic store yet. So I haven't read any of these yet. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that uh, Justina Ireland can write some uh, higher public comics. I I really liked her her writing style here. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I'm a big fan of, of of her work, and and I didn't get she wrote, wrote the middle grade uh, from fa- from wave one, correct? That's for, correct uh, the, for the High Republic. Yes, for the High Republic, and then in the second wave, she's doing the uh, young adults out of the shadows, which yes. I'm pretty sure that comes out next week, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> oh, it all blurs together sometimes. It does. It does. For a Star Wars book company. So, so. you know, maybe after uh, Daniel Jose Older's uh, you know series, then we'll get hers. I hope so. I hope so. That'd I mean, cool. they're killing it. Uh, you know, so the more that we can, that they can, uh, the more that they can publish, the more that we can support them. Uh, the more content we we will have, so so make sure you support all of the Star Wars Star Wars uh, artists and and creators, uh, and especially this High Republic stuff because um, it's amazing content. So that's going to lead us into our next segment, which is what we're loving. And uh, my art of the week is going to come from it's 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 a common thread thread here on uh, on the Cosmic Force. It's another star. It's another Darth Vader looking awesome shot uh <laughs> this one is from star wars mainline 2015 this is mm. from issue two uh penciler and inker are john cassidy and the colorist is laura martin um i really wanted to pick a a, a photo of luke because i really like the way that luke is portrayed in 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 this early or in in this run um and then i turned the page of this and it was just like how how can you not i mean Darth Vader with smoke and and four stormtroopers on on speeder bikes. I mean that that's just, you just gotta gotta show, share that off. So that was great. Now I do really love it because I think in that series they had Luke in his yellow jacket. Yes, and that's yes. a look that is highly underrated. It's it really uh, is. That we need. You know, I don't even know if they have an action figure for that one. I'm not sure. I, I'm 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 sure some of our our, our fellow staff members uh, will be able to, to to clue us in on that. Um, if you're in the chat, let, let us know because we are not as well versed on the on, on the toys. I feel like there should be. I don't know if there is, but I feel like there should be. So, uh, Emma, what's your art of the week this week? Yeah, so I've got art from Lando Double or Nothing issue number one. Uh, this art is by Paolo Villanelli and holy smokes, you guys, this is amazing. You've got the stars going by and the Tie Fighter exploding and all the laser 
fire and all that. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's gorgeous. It looks like a piece of Star Wars art that you'd hang up on your wall. Just an absolutely incredible splash page. And honestly, I love seeing that, uh, that brand new Falcon, the, uh, the Landa's version of the Falcon. Um, you know, I, I always hope to see more of it. And when the- we do, I seriously love it. So good. <laughs> the, the Falcon that's still under warranty. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> the one that the, still has a bar. All the modifications. Right, right, right. The one that doesn't have, uh, you know, compartments in the floors and it's all nice and clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I just I love this art. It's it's very stunning. Exactly. Catching up on some Orlando after our roundtable last week. Of course, I couldn't get enough of him. <laughs> exactly. I did not enjoy that series as much as the previous one, but I you agree. Know, yeah, but. You know, maybe one of these years we'll get around to talking about it. My Art of the Week uh, also comes from Star Wars 2015. This one, instead of being issue two, it's issue uh, 62. Uh, this one is by art by uh, Andreo Barcado. It shows a group of uh, of uh, playwrights going on, some actors putting on a play about the Siege of Moncala, which might be a source we also talk about a little bit later. So they're kind of talking about the heroic uh, rebels who've come in. And if you can see, it actually has... Uh, Luke and Leia and Han in like their original like concept yeah. art sort of thing. And that was a really brilliant nod. I loved seeing that. I'm like, aha, Han, I got that reference. And, you know, you can see he has lightsabers attached to his belt with a cord and, you know, really cool things like that. So not only was it a fun character moment, it was also like, it's a great moment for those who are in the know and who caught that reference. It was really great. Yeah. Even the pose is like not only the costumes like right out of, um, Aquarius uh, concept art, but even that pose is is. I mean, I've seen that. I, I as soon as I saw that, I, I turned around because I actually have my version of the of the Star Wars uh, up on my my shelf behind me. Um, yeah, that looks awesome. Absolutely. So no, when I saw that, I'm like, ah, I have to um, I have to show this off. Uh, speaking of showing off, we got a community uh, uh, art. Let's see here. Oh, I've lost my discard. Who was it that uh, in this one that comes from droids? The, uh, there's a little bit of discussion as if we would uh, actually allow uh, comics arts. This is from Moonflyer, aka Dave, on our Discord. And he was wondering if we could actually do covers. And I think the answer is yes. Yes, we can do covers. They when look it's good. When it's a cover that looks like this, uh, I, I, I mean, I, how can you say no to this? Exactly. This has the uh, the killer uh, protocol droid. Who was that? Um, oh goodness. Oh, CP C3PX. Uh, really, Cav. I remember like reading about a stat block for him in one of my D like the Star Wars RPG sort of things, and really being fascinated by uh, protocol droid gone evil. It's almost like now we've seen more protocol droids gone evil than protocol droids gone just normal, but <laughs> it's still a cool look. Accurate. Uh, you know, had to catch up on this droid series one of these uh, one of these decades. Is that two weeks in a row for, for Moonflyer? I think so. Let's see if we can yeah. get a tri- uh, triple play from him. See if you can yeah. keep that up. So the rest of you guys in the community, let's uh, l- l- let's throw in your submissions uh, into the Discord or, or tweet at us at Cosmic... Uh, Tweet us at Twitter and uh, let's uh, let, let's get some competition in there because uh, Moonflower's been killing it the last two weeks. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so let's move on to kind of what we're checking in. Tyler, anything else yet you've been reading that's interesting? Um, nothing. Nothing much to report on. Uh, all the current books. Uh, I will say that I I, I am starting to read Star Wars twenty fifteen. 
Uh, I have the trade paperback uh, around here somewhere. I have the first. I picked up the first trade paperback last week. Um, and I may or may not be doing some research on, on a future show. Uh, not going to go into much more details than that. Uh, but uh, there's, it's, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that, that I'm reading it. And, and, and Caleb had mentioned that he's reading it as well. So, uh, Emma, what are, uh, what, what, what are you reading this week? Uh, you know, I've been reading some uh, some Star Wars 1977, of course, mm-hmm. and the three new issues today. Um, really, just some solid releases today. I mean, it's kind of rare that we get three new releases, and then for all three to be very solid is like ultra, ultra rare. So it was quite a treat this morning to just dive into these three and, and really have a good time. Um, yeah, I've had kind of a busy week, so that's about all I have, I've had time for, but, you know, it's I'm looking forward to our conversation about these uh, the 1977 series for sure. Caleb, what about you? Nothing crazy. I said, you know, we were doing a little bit of pre-show about, you know, there's 107 issues for this uh, for this series, for this mainline series. And we were kind of like, OK, well, how far did you actually get through this? I think I managed to get the farthest through. Like, I think you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, I got like did, yeah. 25 issues into this. And it's some really good reading. You know, I was kind of rushing through it a little bit at the end. But that's kind of where all my energy went to. And the problem is I've gotten so much steam in this. I kind of want to push through and get all of it read. I don't know if I'll be able to, but we'll see what happens. See what our things we have down the, uh, down the docket here. All right. So our main topic tonight is, is like I said, the original run uh, of star Wars. And, and we kind of peeked behind the curtain a little bit. We had a little bit of a, we, we knew we wanted to cover this, but we had a little bit of a challenge uh, of figuring out exactly how we wanted to cover it. Um, that's because, as as Caleb alluded to earlier, there's 107 issues <laughs> in this book, uh, running all the way from 1977 to 1986. Um, the first issue actually released prior to the launch of the movie. The first issue one actually released on April 12th, 1977, and the movie came out May 25th, 1977. Um, so we kind of decided, you know what? Let's let's take kind of an overview. Let's you know give you some highlights. Um, give you some 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 fun facts. Mention some characters that that uh, that are notable. Maybe their first appearances. Maybe they've come back. Maybe they haven't yet. Um, and then kind of talk about a little bit of, of some of the the interesting um, storylines and plots that have that have come into in, into the book. Um, but but yeah. But so before before we really dive into it, um, I want to go around to and, and, and talk to each of you, and then we'll pitch it to Trevor. Um, what are your thoughts, like, like uh, of what you've read and what you've what you've seen and researched so far? I'm going to start with with Emma. Um, what's your g- just general overall thoughts on 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 this this story? Yeah, so for me, it was extremely interesting to sort of see the the movie adaptation, especially of A New Hope. Um, I only read; I was only able to read the first eight issues, just for reference, um, and uh, the the aesthetic of this mm-hmm. series honestly was just the most interesting and kind of craziest part for me. Um, you know, and I, I, it's weird because I mean, Han Solo, he doesn't really look like Harrison Ford. <laughs> Luke do- doesn't really look like Mark Hamill. They did Leia pretty good. I'd say. Um, Which one of you called him he man in the pre-show? 
I did. Caleb. Like there's like a like the as the art goes on and like I was just kind of looking at some of the covers and later issues. Like they become a little bit more and more like boulderized, a little bit more and more uh, stylized. And like boy, howdy does Luke turn into He Man in the last couple of issues? Yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's <laughs> it's a very like He Man vibe. You're so right. Um, so yeah, I think you know the the story was good. You know the the adaptation part of it i only got to two original stories and you know of course uh jackson was introduced so we get some really cool characters um, um from this series and uh overall it's just it's just very interesting to see how comics have changed between today and then and especially with you know star wars lore and and all of the different uh things that sort of come with an increase in stories caleb what are what, what are some of your your, your quick thoughts you can absolutely tell that this was written in the 70s like they and i'm not like not just saying like oh it's old but like the tropes that they are using outside of like when they have to like make things up boy is it like really like 70s you know 60s sci-fi sort of you know things like star wars has an aesthetic now like we can look at something and say ah that is in the star wars universe right now but like there's stuff like oh boy i gotta in the gladiatorial sort of thing i gotta use my power shield and my power mace and they glow with radioactive energy i'm like boy that would never fly in this sort of uh in this this day and age like the weird like way that they talk about technologies and you know i have a couple like random notes here and like one of the interesting things is this might be getting a little bit into the weeds here but in the early issues they start talking about like well if time flowed in space like it does here this would be like two hours later <laughs> like they can't do like you know i don't know if time dilation if lucas wants us to have time dilation or not so we'll just kind of make minor mention of it you know things like that it could have it kind of helps to show how easily star wars could have been another generic sci-fi sort of saga but it had something else behind it so it the the stories did a good job of being you know very entertaining but you could easily tell how it could have been a the movie could have been a campy cheese fest yeah i can see that um i think i read the least because um as as those of you got you that are that are listening that have listened to all of our shows but know that I, i'm i'm a i'm a physical guy I, I i have all my comics i've got all my trade paperbacks behind me um and that's what made this project a, a, a little tough because these books are not very easy to find i, I mean luckily i've got uh, these are the dark horse versions but these are the dark horse versions of the Mar- the reprints of the marvel uh uh, original prints for each of the movies, um, and the only reason I have these is is because they these were actually a uh, a wedding gift from my mother uh, to me. Uh, I love that uh, on, on on my wedding day. So you know I I've had those for thirteen years, and and that's really my only my only you know ability to read this because I don't ha- because I, I don't have uh, you know comicsology or, or Marvel Unlimited and. And and that's something, and I and I and I I think that we're going to talk about this more as the show goes on. That it this doing this project and 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 reading researching this title, there's so much fun that I want to read mm-hmm. that it like I have not thought more seriously about getting a, a digital collection than I have in the last week because of of some of the outlandish stories and just amazing things that 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 are covered in this book. 
Um, and some of those things that are, you know, Trevor had mentioned in, in, in my discussion with him earlier today. So, um, Emma, why don't we go ahead and run uh, Trevor's first clip and then uh, we'll come back in, in, in a few minutes. All right. Well, we have a special guest with us today, Trevor, our, our, our own Eugenie's own keeper of the uh, sacred timeline. Trevor, how are you doing? <laughs> Thank you for, for joining us. Not a problem at all, man. Not a problem at all. Happy to be on the Cosmic Force. Yes. Yeah. When, when we, we talked about having this as a discussion that you're talking about the original Star Wars, when we kind of had to have you, we thought we have to have Trevor on. Um, so so I, I want to go ahead and dive right into it. And, you know, this was a, a very important run. Um, I want to know, first off, before we get into it, what are your personal experiences with this run? And, and you know, what have you read? What, you know, and, and sort of what was your experience with this book? I mean, I've read all of it many, many times. Um, I think they were hard to get when I was a kid. And when Dark Horse re-released them in, in the 90s, it was like a seven-volume set of graphic novels. It just brought me back to being a kid. And I, I've looked since at how old I was when these issues came out. And it's all the sort of um, pre-Return of a Jedi story arc. So I, would, I was born in 76, so I would have been like six Mm -hmm. getting these comics and some of them are just were read over and over again by me as a kid so there's certain stories towards the later end of that run that are just they help mold me into the massive star wars nerd that i am today right and and you know i was also finding something that was interesting while i was doing some research on this it you know there was a, a someone who worked at marvel comics i can't remember what his what what his position is but he's he actually said that uh, many who worked at Marvel in 1977 consider the Star Wars run to have single-handedly saved the company from financial ruin uh, because comics weren't as big back then. It was a, there was a delay between publishing and actual street dates and actual. Do you, do you remember the you know the effect that it had on on maybe you and your friends? I mean, I think that's a well-documented fact. Is that you know Marvel were were going downhill fast. And, you know, having the Star Wars run did single-handedly save that company from going bankrupt, regardless of Spider-Man and X-Men and mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. They were struggling. And that was the power of Star Wars at the time. And even for myself, obviously, I'm in the UK. We didn't have the monthly Marvel issues. We had a weekly Star Wars comic um, that actually had extra stories written for it but weren't in the, in the US one. And that actually became an opportunity for Marvel to promote their own comics over here. So you'd have a backup Spider-Man story in really? the Star Wars weekly wow. comic. Um, so they really did use the, the appeal of Star Wars to introduce their own characters again, whilst they were, you know, on a resurgence as a company. All right. So thank you, Trev, for that. He's going to return later on. Um, so I've got some fun facts here um, in the universe uh, and in the comics as well. So here we go. First up, the series was such a smash hit for Marvel in an otherwise dismal sales year, you know, despite having like Spider-Man and other superheroes like that. Um, many who worked at Marvel in 1977 consider it to have single-handedly saved Marvel, the company from financial ruin, according to Jim Shooter, who was Marvel's editor in chief in '78. Yeah, that was that was something that I was able to find, and and Trevor and I had kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, I, I try to keep these 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 clips short. 
Um, but apparently the reason that, that they were in such financial ruin was because it was, it was very delayed to be able to get um, figures and financial figures back then because comic shops weren't, weren't around as, as, as much as they are today. So Marvel would have to ship them like a mag- like imagine what, imagine a magazine. For some of you, you younger listeners, what you, you used to have to order magazines through the mail mm-hmm. and they would just come to you once a month. Um, and, and, but the material would be sometimes two weeks, three weeks old. So I, you know, in this day and age of, of instant gratification, instant news, it's, it's, it's hard to fathom that, but that's, that was the delay back then was they would, they would publish it and they would ship it and then they'd have to wait two or three weeks before it would hit the shelves and then they'd hit the shelves and then, you know, have to wait to get the the sales figures back. So it was just, it was a very delayed process. And I just thought it was, it was really fascinating. And, and, you know, for, for something that was new, you know, and, and, and hadn't really, you know, those, these first issues were out before the movie came out Uh, for it to have that kind of success is just, you know, it's, it's amazing to, to me to think that, the, the, the creative genius that is George Lucas, you know, that he was able to use some of this um, to turn it into to what we all know and love today. It's, it's just fascinating to me. Yeah. And it's kind of fascinating because I didn't, you know, if you look into the story, it's like no one knew Star Wars was going to be such a massive right. smash hit. And for them to green light production of a comic series before it even hit movie theaters must have been like a really wild thing. I, I kind of want to go back and see was Marvel also like rolling dice on like random things that they try to make like an et comic book series <laughs> or um or, what was the year when it came out then it was the um oh um da 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 the steven spielberg one well yeah you've got a couple it. you've got uh never writing story no 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 is he made a sci-fi movie at the same time i think you know lucas and spielberg like bet each other like you know they both thought the air one would be a smash hit so they they like bet each other like whoever has the bigger one you know each one has to give each other like five percent of each one's yeah. movie right so that's what made <laughs> spielberg like kind of sit pretty in the 80s and 90s and do whatever he wanted oh, interesting i mean it's just crazy that like because when you think of marvel today you think of like this gigantic multi-million dollar company <laughs> right Right. And to think that they that Star Wars saved them, mm-hmm. that's pretty nuts. That's pretty nuts. With <laughs> with with as deep of a bench as 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 Marvel had, yeah, this new up and coming sci fi fantasy story. Uh, it's it's it. Like I said, I I, I wish there was more. I, I would I really want to get into kind of a behind the scenes sort of of documentary about that because it, it's so fascinating. Um, uh, yeah. Emma, close you got a couple encounter, of real quick. It was close encounters ah, of the that's third right, time. That's right. I uh, yeah, got you. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Emma, you've got a couple more more interesting fun facts and history about this book. Yeah, for sure. So, according to writer Windham, the comic wasn't an acknowledged by Lucasfilm while planning new stories because little story control had been enforced during its creation. So there wasn't like a like a story group type of thing going on uh, back then. Um, Marvel's contract specified that they couldn't do anything big with the characters until George Lucas had worked out what to do next and told them. So after the six-issue adaptation of the original movie had wrapped, writer Roy Thomas and artist Howard Chaikin decided to take things in a new direction by going with a one-off, uh, excuse me, by going with one-off stories or simple short arcs. They began by taking the basic story of Seven Samurai which is the most famous film of Lucas's idol, Akira Kurosawa, and making it a Han Solo and Chewbacca story that spread over issues 7, 
eight, uh, excuse me, seven and eight, uh, titled New Planets, New Perils, and eight for Aduba Three, respectively. And yes, that's the story that introduced Jackson along with Don Juan Quixote. <laughs> I, I, I a love crazy that. old I, I man who name. thinks he's a Jedi. <laughs> and, and and for those of you who don't know, this is Don Juan, spelled like Obi Wan, W A N, Quixote, K I H O T A Y, and 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 as we all know what that reference is, but it is such a Star Wars name, and I love it, and I want to know more about this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was when I read that, I was like. Why does that sound familiar? And then I like worked it out in my head. I was like, okay, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> it's the land, man of La Mancha. So, yeah, like the kind of like it's is it weird to call him like super clever and creative for stealing off one of the most famous literary characters of all kind? Probably not. I think it's pretty clever. I I, I feel like there's a saying out there that says like cr- you know s- creators don't create new things they just adapt old old things there's, there's some sort of store saying out there that that that, that comments on that yeah the um, most you know the, the quickest way to become a, a very creative and successful uh you know writer is to hide no, no. all of your sources <laughs> just just delete them try to get rid of them oh, yeah man. but between yeah. between the kurosawa um influence and, and the flash gordon influences like there was a lot of really interesting stories that that that, that came out of those those, those one-offs, um, and I, I thought it was actually it was it, it was interesting um, that when I, I saw this I saw this this next bullet point in, in here, Emma, uh, that I, I I wonder why this didn't stick. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So this is very interesting. So Luke, Leia, and the rest of our band of heroes were called the Star Warriors. And I really like that. I think it's cool. That's like the first thing I note, wrote on my notes is Star Warriors. Great name. Yeah. Like, why didn't they keep on with that branding? It's the Star Wars Star Warriors. I mean, it's it's amazing. Like, that could have been the title. It's like, you know, Star Wars or the Star Warriors. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, and then I wonder, like, you know, in the future, like, would we have to call uh, our newer characters Star Warriors as well? Like, in the future, if we kept that, moniker like would Jin Erso be a star warrior like i don't know i kind of uh, wonder I, I think they would be i think <laughs> exactly. it would go all the way down to 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 ray and, and poe and finn i think they're all star warriors uh, oh, you know, i love that it's a little heavy-handed in 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 this in this day of social i i don't imagine that going over well on social media i'm, I'm just gonna throw that out there tw- t- star wars twitter i feel like would have a field day not in a good way uh if if that <laughs> moniker stuck around Star yeah, isn't Warriors. that every day on Star Wars Twitter, though? <laughs> that's, that's very true. That's very yeah. true. Star Warriors, come out and All play. Right. <laughs> it's the only thing I know about that movie. All right, so our, uh, the last fact I've got here is on May 29th, 2019, Marvel released a special 108th issue of the series that continues the storyline that began in Star Wars 50. So, oh my goodness, talk about talk about a late release there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, and I was about you know dude, I thought waiting for Duke Nukem Forever took a while. Yeah, right, right, and you know I was, I don't there there might be a relevance, but I don't see a relevant date around that. You know, like like 2019 compared to 1977 or May 29th compared to the original launch, and like I I don't it's it's just a strange decision with a strange timing and, and a strange date. Uh, you know what? I mean, go for it. I mean, more power to you. I'd love to see more of this stuff come forward, but I just 
I, I'm wondering if there's a significance behind that that I that I just couldn't couldn't find. Yeah, like yeah, I guess they decide to. I don't know if they had to like for like this sounds like super um, cynical, but I wonder if they had to do something to keep like the uh, trademark or something alive and like release something so they still had yeah you know, stranger know, things controls. have happened like that in star in in uh, in in the comic book industry and if you don't know about that look I, I not during not now during the show but I I encourage you to go research the history of of Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel Ooh, uh, yeah that's that is a fascinating fascinating tale. Of, of of DC against Marvel, um, but but yeah, that's a very interesting that's a very interesting uh, perspective, Caleb. I'm, I'm, I, I, I again, I'd like to know why why that decision was made. So, in, in addition to to those fun facts, you know, we've talked about Jackson. We talked about my favorite character, Don Juan Quixote. Um, <laughs> but there were a couple of other uh, very interesting characters. Some we've known, and, and mm-hmm. some we some some we 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 haven't known. Some that some were original. Um, and I'm going to let uh, uh, Emma, why don't we go ahead and play the next clip from uh, from Trevor, uh, where he talks about some of his favorite characters. And gosh, these this is where it starts getting weird, guys. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me with Trev. So, yeah, here we go. Tossing it to Trev. And it, it's amazing to see the resurgence of these characters. You know, balances in his own comic book. You've got Jackson, who seems to be on a on a, you know, cabins on a mission to get to bring him back to you know to, to relevance uh and it's just it's, it's amazing to know to see some of these characters kind of getting their due diligence now that uh that, that star wars is back in in, in the main, main mainstream again absolutely and it's because these authors were reading these comics as kids it's not because they trolled through these as authors and went right i need to pick something obscure they've all picked on something that they related to when they first read those comics as youngsters. So let's, let, let's, let's focus on, on some of the characters, you know, I, I, I was surprised at some of the characters that I saw, like um, Admiral Yularen is actually um, featured in issue one. And, and that's a character that I didn't know until the clone wars, but what are some of your favorite characters? Maybe not necessarily some of the ones that we know, obviously Luke and Leia, but what is, you know, we all know Jackson. We all love Jackson. What are some of the other characters that you remember that that might not be so that might be a little bit more obscure uh, that really left a mark on you? Okay, so there's one who I will always have a soft spot for, and I'm praying that they get recanonized, and that is Pliff the Hoogib. So these are <laughs> tiny little telepathic creatures that um, eat energy, and the rebels make a base on their planet. And yes. they accidentally get attacked because they're hungry. Um, but even outside of the comics, there was back when I was a kid, you had these read along books with a cassette. So they actually adapted one of these issues into that. So I could still hear Pliff's voice in my head. Um, and they've re- introduced so much stuff like Jackson and, um, Shira Bree, obviously who became Lemire mm-hmm. in the legacy of the four series started with Marvel comics, but I would love to see Pliff and the who gives return into Canon. <laughs> I actually there's, there's crazier things out there. All right, so we are back, and man, Pliff the Hoojib, um, that is quite the deep cut, Trev. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I didn't get that far in the comics, but uh, I think I'm gonna need to read those issues tonight just to fi- just to figure out like what what he's talking about, something about crazy like eating people, so, like what? So bef- 
before we go to to Caleb to talk about some other characters, I just I, I pulled the I pulled this up. Oh so, my! That's what I was um, talking about. So it. Let me see where this. A forest planet full of energy emitting geothermal rods in caves and hoojibs. A race of Muppet bunnies who only communicate telepathically and wind up becoming important to the Alliance as spies. I mean, bunnies. Come on, they had a thing for bunnies in this. Uh, <laughs> no, in this yeah, thing. because <laughs> in the pre listeners in the pre show, I was kind of thumbing through the uh, the, the cover art and all the issues there and one of the last issues it has a bunch of characters being attacked by what i thought was a reference to uh monty python and the holy grail with lots of little (laughs) white rabbits jumping around and attacking and going for the throat so i had to like i had to show it off to everyone so no those are the hoojabs those are the um those are the energy eating telepathic bunnies and by the way, now we have Jared in the chat saying, oh, we're talking about the hoojibs. And I think that that's his new like summoning word. Like, you know, we had legends. Now we've got hoojibs. If, if exactly. we talk about anything prior to like 1995, I, I think it automatically get, gives give Jared a, a, a heads up. For sure. So, um, Caleb, I think you've got uh, some cool character appearances oh, for us. Absolutely. Yeah. So we already talked about Emerald Wolf Ylarin. He's kind of like this weird, um, he shows up like in almost, it, he kind of a minor player in Legends and now also a minor player in Canon. It's kind of weird that, you know, so many people are attaching to this like character and making, you know, big you know, stories about him. Like he shows up not only in the new uh, Thrawn books, but, you know, that's, in, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he showed up there. He shows up in the Clone War series and the uh, Rebel series. Kind of like this, this weird, like, competent Imperial commander, you know, which is a kind of a rare thing, to be honest. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, like I said, I knew him from the Clone Wars show. I mean, and he's one of the people that I feel like Anakin respected in in the the, I don't want to call it the Imperial Navy, but in the Republic Navy. Um, and, and so... To see him continuing to pop up and to realize that he had uh, a history this rich is just kind of one mm-hmm. of those like, wow, I, I, I never even knew that. Mm-hmm. You know, we got a couple of our characters. This is a typo here in the notes. It's it's mom Mothra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's yeah. honest. I mean, that's, it's, it's that's about what, what it's when she you had... type notes during the workday. Well, OK, but let's face it. Mon Mothra is essentially mom Mothra. She's kind of <laughs> the, the queen leader of the entire rebellion there. Like, I could totally see her putting juice boxes together for all the commandos. <laughs> that image is great. In exactly. My head now. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like, you know, I, was she ever actually given that title in like her name in the original uh, movie? I don't know. Mm, I don't, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't think we learned that until maybe... Maybe some expanded universe stuff. It's Chancellor, right? Uh, I think something like that. Or at least Senator Mon Moth. No, it's Senator. And Senator, it, but like, right. but we don't even know her name. So we, this is probably the first time we actually realize who she is and who her like what her character is. And that you know she is actually kind of an important person. You know, yeah, got... she was just like the deadly serious like uh, redheaded woman that just like felt so bad for the Bothans. That was, that was all who we knew her as. Right. as pretty much. And that was not until like the third episode. As Until then, she was just kind of, oh, she's that leader who has a few lines. That's here. We also had a couple of characters like, um, I just want to put this in here. Chewbacca is very different in this series. Yeah, I, I've, that was like the number one thing that kind of blew me away while I was reading this. He seemed... 
Well, first of all, his like aesthetic is he very is, different. He is way more gorilla like. Yeah, that's exactly how I describe it. Like he's he is more violent um, and just not as likable as the Chewbacca that we know and love today. And, you know, part of me wonders if that was just, like, a production thing. Like, when they were adapting the movies, did they think that Chewbacca was a scary monster? Or, you know, did they... Yeah, here we go. Tyler's got... Let me let me show off Tyler here Sorry, really tr- quickly. He's holding trying up... To, trying to not get the glare in there. Yeah, so he just... He's, like, he's kind of chunky. And yeah. he's, uh, he's kind of, like, fierce looking. You know, he's got that, like, scowl on his face. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Tyler, for showing that... Um, he definitely gave off a different vibe than the than the Chewy that we knew um, and exactly. know today. Yeah. No, they definitely played out the fact that he's an alien sort of thing. You know, we also got yeah. a couple other characters like we actually introduced Biggs a lot more recently into like I think he shows up in the very first issue. You know, you know uh, his you know Luke's childhood friend. Then we also have a little bit more of Wedge who would go on to lead Rogue Squadron. You know, a couple like you know minor characters that we get to see you know named and have a little bit more development. And that's always fun. Um, here's the big thing is that we have uh, Barrett Valance, the uh, the droid, the uh, half droid, or as they call it, Borg bounty hunter. But I like how they call it Borg. <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. Like you know, predates the uh, next generation at all, so don't come at me with that but you know i when i was reading this and i like the very first issue that barrett shows up you know they it splash page they blowing up a thing and says barrett and his angry group of bounty hunters i'm like well hold on so i had to look this up that issue uh issue number 16 came mm-hmm. out in october of 1978 now the very now boba fett his very first appearance was in this Christmas special, which was in November of 78. So, Barrett Valance is Star Wars' oldest bounty hunter. He was there a whole month before Boba Fett even put it onto screens. So, next time when someone says Boba Fett is the first bounty hunter ever conceived for Star Wars, they are unaware. <laughs> yes, you, you can tell them you're wrong, and you exactly. heard it from the cosmic force. You can tell them Caleb sent you. Don't at me. <laughs> All right, so yeah, no, that was like a kind of a fun, fascinating sort of thing of them making more characters. We also got a few other things. This was a fun little story uh, where we get to see Bail Organa in the flesh, in the flesh in episode 24. That was fun because that you get to see, it's kind of like a prequel sort of thing where you got to see um, um, him being helped out by Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of in his prime he still looks like an old man, but it's like, you know, 10, 20 years before. So you got to see, like, Obi-Wan and old Ben as, like, a Jedi Knight and, like, how they imagined Jedi would look in that sort of thing. And, again, it's very space opera. He, he has, like, a full black jumpsuit with, like, silver armbands. So kind of like a different look of what you, you know, maybe what you might have very first thought when you thought what a Jedi Knight, a space knight would be. Definitely not brown robes and, you know, when and tunics interesting mm-hmm. you know lando made an appearance in uh issue 43 and then of course we have everyone's favorite jackson the uh green uh space rabbit who likes to eat meat and kick enemies really just can, like can i can i say something that i noticed about jackson so he always says that he doesn't like to be called a rabbit right yes mm-hmm. uh-huh. um but his ship's name is the rabbit's foot Mm-hmm. So what's that all about? <laughs> uh, 
dissociative. I feel dis- wasn't that addressed in uh, a, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, was it? I I, I know that there's been forever a, since I've read that. I know that there was a story in there um, th- about Jackson going to Cloud City to meet Lando, and I feel like Lando makes that exact comment to him about you know you're, it's called the rabbit's foot. I, don't quote me on this, but I, and, and I'll I'll go double check. But I'm I feel like there was a tongue in cheek sort of reference or comment, uh, mental commentary in that story, and from a certain point of view. Yeah, no, that that sounds very familiar. But that was like that was one of the first things I thought about. Like like this doesn't really add up, but okay, you know I'll, I'll accept <laughs> it. He's a cool enough character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you know, put, put camp a little lamp shading there, but you know. Like that was the sort of thing that they could that they liked doing is like these weird, crazy sort of like space characters and, you know, wacky sort of almost Looney Tunes sort of aspect mm-hmm. they went through. I don't think they ever went quite as far as Jackson and the rest of the series from what I read. I they did introduce psychic space bunnies, so you know, there's that. But, you know, in the next couple issues they definitely slow things down a little bit. You know, but in the same time we get Jackson, we also get Don Juan Quixote, Tyler's favorite character from the extended universe. And I think, <laughs> you know, as we have gotten Jackson pulled over into the into the uh, canon timeline, I think we need some Don Juan in the uh, in the extended timeline. Yeah. I think, I you know, I think he needs to have a, his time in the spotlight again. There's just that's that's yeah. I, I mean, there's if if Jackson can can, can be revived, uh, Don Juan can can also be. Be, be revived so yeah i mean i mean like you know how uh like jar jar binks comes back as a clown in yeah. uh one of the aftermath books we could make like an obi-wan kenobi impersonator like a like a street performance and it's don juan quixote yeah that's, that's I, my vote. I am totally down for having that name come back as a tongue-in-cheek like like clown character or if, like it doesn't have to be a jedi i just want to see that name brought back so that everybody who's reading Star Wars now can 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 see this name and can appreciate it because that's all I really want. For exactly. sure. You know, Give the, the last... people what they want. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what we want, and we're the people. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our last minute things is uh, we got the character uh, Luminera who first appeared in these comics who didn't, you know, came through like the uh, rest of the uh, book series. I think she's the uh, Dark Force wielder who uses the light whip, right? Yeah, I, I I remember um, uh, Star Wars Archives talking about Lumaya. Um, Lumaya, and, and uh, it sounds familiar that she's like, kind of. I haven't read any books with her in it, but yeah. I'm pretty sure I remember them saying something about it's, her being like in a relationship with Luke and like being a oh, dark force wielder. Everyone's was in a relationship. Yeah, with yeah, Luke. in Legends. That's, that, that doesn't narrow it down <laughs> at all. Fair enough. <laughs> but she had like a turban on, like this weird, like you know, triangular hair piece sort of thing oh interesting she was she was heavily featured in the legacy of the four series which comes at the at the tail end of the timeline um of of the not of the novels at least um and, and and so i i don't remember very many specifics about her i do remember i enjoyed legacy of the force um uh, but it's yeah there are some I'm, I'm not entirely i don't entirely remember all of her details but yeah it's just it's fun to see i i we, we included that in the notes just because um, as we're talking about Jackson coming back, and as I'm joking about wanting to see the name Don Juan Quixote come back, um, there are there has some elements that that were from these original comics that 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 have been brought forward, and and obviously Legacy of the Force is is has still run the gone the way of, of Legends, but you know it's happened once before, and and you know you never know things can happen again. So For sure. 
these, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be Star Wars without some crazy stories. And, you know, our friends at Legends Look Back knows, knows a thing or two about, about some crazy stories because Legends can get kind of crazy. Um, but there are a couple of notable stories that, that when I was doing some research that, that, are, that are out there. Um, but uh, let's head back to, over to Trevor and let's, let, let, let's hear what, some, what he was saying about some of his favorite stories uh, from this run. Let's go ahead and talk about the the, the storylines because I personally haven't read these because my my collection is is as hard is is physical so it's a little harder for me to get get some of these but I was doing some research and there are some crazy storylines that happen in this book. What are some of your favorite storylines that you that you remember from from this 107 issue run? Um, yeah, you're right. It does go crazy. There are some absolutely nuts storylines in there. Um, but for me, the very first arc after the New Hope adaptation, so starting with issue seven up to issue 15, you've got the eight from Aduba eight, um, sorry, eight from Aduba six uh, mm -hmm. series that I rave about all the time that introduced Jackson to us. You've got Day the of the Dragon Jackson, Lords in yes. there. Yep. Um, the Day of the Dragon Lords uh, issue in that arc is amazing as well. Valance is introduced in issue 16. So straight away in the first handful of issues, where they break it on their own, they introduce characters and plots that we're still talking about now. Right. You can you can break the whole 107 issues down into like a couple of arcs based on the writers because there were some really massive writers. Mm -hmm. So Archie Goodwin sort of did the first third. Um, Chris Claremont, who went on to write Uncanny X Men, he did a few issues, um, and then there was a couple of other writers. So um, David Micheline, he took over sort of around issue 50. And his issues covering the post-Empire Strikes Back era, they're really, really weird. That's kind of a weird section of the arc. Mm -hmm. And then once you hit sort of issue um, 80, I think, uh, I think it's Mary Jo Duffy, I forget off the top of my head. She takes over and it becomes much more serialized again as you get um, the hunt for Solo, the um, post-Return of the Jedi arcs. And there's some really, really strong stories in, in that sort of last third of a of a series all right and we're back live and you know it was it was this part of, of both my interview with trevor and and in doing my own research that i that i really got excited about this and this was when i mentioned earlier that i was really disappointed that i didn't have this uh the direct access to this it, it was these storylines because they would never make it in in today's canon but they are so Interesting. I, I mean, the the the, the storyline that Trevor was talking about uh, was featured in issues fifty one and fifty two. The 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 arc was to take the Tarkin, um, and the the new super weapon is is, is a world killer dubbed the Tarkin, mm -hmm. fit, fittingly enough. Um, but what I found interesting is it it wasn't a weapon of Vader's. It was built by the Imperials who had broken off from the Empire because they fundamentally disagreed with the tactics of Darth Vader. So not only do we have ambitious Imperials having to face the Rebels, they also have to devise a plan to assassinate Vader, creating a story that that, that is just that that is fascinating to me, and and it's it's just it's those levels of of freedom that that makes makes me really want to go back and 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 kind of see how they how they pulled it off and and really how it ends. Exactly, like. I've read several times the first like major arc, the uh, the Star Hoppers of Abdullah. Yes. I think it's like six or Abdullah three. It's uh, 
like Seven Samurai is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. So even when you see a cheap knockoff of it, it's still great. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that, that's one thing I didn't quite touch on in the character section. Han Solo, I know I like to joke about it, you know, in the mainline series, but Han Solo's super competent in this uh, in this series. He's really good at his job, and it's kind of wild to see him being a you know being able to to wipe his own butt for lack of a better term. <laughs> like you know, he like single handedly gathers like this like group of like you know uh, gun toting you know space rangers together and star hoppers and like fins off an entire like attack of bandits and then stops a giant you know biological super weapon you know lizard thing from destroying the, the village. Like it's like oh wow. He's uh he's good at his job. Wow. How can you not be interested in what how can you not want to read that? <laughs> oh, it's it's crazy good. Like it's um there's a lot of like wild things that just can't happen. They happen really quickly, so I think like by modern pace, you know, terming telling you could say the story writing's a little bad, but it's still really good. It's still I no, I can't contradict myself. It's bad, but it's good. Take it with a grain of salt. Be able to take your time reading through it and, you know, reading out the dialogue or just skip through it and read, watch some really interesting and fun artwork. You'll have a great time with it. Yeah, I mean, and while we're on the topic of Han Solo, like something else that I noticed, it was in issue seven and or eight or maybe both. Um, there's a lot of shirtless Han Solo, and it reminded me of that arc from the 2015 mainline oh, where the, uh... um, they're on like the like a farm, and Han Solo is like working for a drink and stuff. Yeah, Han, you know, you Harrison Ford shirtless. It's a it's a trope. Yes, it is. It is for sure. So that's just something that I, I found to be uh, pretty interesting. That uh, that arc was really interesting with how it started with um like a bantha hauling a dead cyborg or borg mm-hmm. as they call them um and how there's like so much prejudice against the borgs yeah it's... Um, and i like how it sets up like the the stuff with valence later on it sets up that it also sets up in like a later arc uh like on the wheel of doom or whatever giant casino sort of thing yeah. they also make several references to like you know it's really weird how rebels treat droids like people and are like friends with their droids and like that's a, like an era prejudice they set up is that droids are tools not friends sort of thing so it's kind of like another like you know you can tell that they're trying to talk about like social issues with that like you know rejection of the outsider is bad that sort of thing yeah, you bring up another another interesting. This one isn't in the notes, but I remember I remember reading about it yesterday. You bring up another arc, the the wheel, um, which I believe is an earlier is one of the in one yeah. Of it's it's right after the, like the 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 uh. It's like it issues like seventeen to twenty. Or yeah, so. that's uh, that was also an interesting arc because that apparently uh, the, the 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 article that I was reading had compared it to like Las Vegas, but in space. It was in mm-hmm. non imperial controlled space, and it's just this gladiatorial arena and all of our heroes are entered into it and and have to fight each other and one of the one of the notable things is that it was one of the biggest cliffhangers uh from from one issue to the next is uh, um is because and and i'm sorry i'm going to go into spoilers here for a comic that's you know 40 40 years old old. (laughs) uh one of the issues appears to have chewbacca kill han solo at the end uh, and that was again at this time when there's a huge delay when you don't have social media when you don't when when you literally have the media that is in front of you 
and you close the book and you don't know when you're going to get your next book and you know and all you know is it's going to be at least a month away that and, seems like a big deal and here's the even worse thing they didn't even have the next movie can you know out right. or even trailers yeah. confirmed that han solo was still in those movies right so as we know all of our heroes are you know when we read these these, these books and, and comics and we know that all of our heroes are going to be safe you didn't know that back then and for all you know chewbacca really did kill han solo um and it's just that's you know that's uh, i i keep going back to it that's what i find so fascinating about this and there's one other one other topic that i that i wrote down before i toss it to to, to the my, my co-host here to see if they have any other stories uh with star wars issue 81 and i really wrote this down more because of the 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 title uh it was titled the jawas of doom um and it's a tale involving a broke han traveling to tatooine with leia uh, and they find themselves running into a very familiar foe. R2 is abducted by Jawas, and these Jawas stumble upon the regurgitated body of Boba Fett. Boba uh, Fett. And, yeah, Boba Fett, <laughs> uh, suffering from amnesia. So, even back in in 83, the, the writers knew that no Sarlacc could keep Boba Fett down, and, and Boba Fett was definitely going to get out of the Sarlacc. Um, like I said, the story is, 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 is you know, I, I'm interested to, to, to hear the, to, to, to read that story because I see the title Jawas of Doom and I'm like, OK, all right, you, you, you have my attention. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it like they're comic book writers. They know a good design when they see it and they're not about to throw something like that away. Right. So did you go? So th- so those were a couple that I that I had written down. I, I, I'll, I'll pass it over to, to Emma and to, to Caleb to see if. If there are any additional topics or stories that, that, that you had written or that you had wrote, uh, but or or if Emma, I know you said you only read the first few. If you wanted to, to maybe talk about how the comic was kind of, you know, how it's even though it portrayed A New Hope, it, it's obviously very different than than the actual movie that we know and love. Yeah, for sure. I mean, stylistically, the adaptation is not a one to one. Right. Um where I would say like the more modern movie adaptations are definitely more of a one-to-one, um, mostly one-to-one. Um, you know, Luke, all the characters look different in some sort of way. Um, the, the scenes, you know, some of the starfighters were different. Some of the like set like the setup for the, um, the big meeting scene in, uh, in the base at Yavin four, uh, you know that scene was a bit different. Like they all come in on these like uh like hover carts, and they're all like riding on a hover cart, <laughs> and we don't see that in the movie. Um, I found it fun to be honest to read an adaptation that wasn't a one to one of mm. um uh, of the movie. Like just because I honestly think that a lot of that is probably due to just the information that they were privy to yeah. before the movie. Um, and so it was interesting, like the lightsabers were different colors, like, and that could be, you know, just because of their time and like how it translates to, to digital media, like, you know, Darth Vader's lightsaber was yellow and so is Obi-Wan Kenobi's, um, or it definitely had like a pinkish hue sometimes, sometimes it looked yellow. Plus they only had so many colors when they were printing, so. Yeah. True. Yeah. They didn't. And, um, yeah, I, I just, honestly, the style choices were more interesting to me than any of the the story elements i would when say I, when i was thumbing through it didn't like luke call after like obi sees obi-wan being slain by by uh by 
Darth Vader, he, he turns and yells at, at Darth Vader, you dirty rat. I'm like, oh boy. That, that, <laughs> he that definitely didn't... said that to someone in this. I think, I think uh... he said that to Vader. Like, you know, oh boy, that's a, that's some, that's some real, uh, some real grade school, uh, name calling there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> For sure. All right, Caleb, do you have any, any additional topics uh, or, or stories that we haven't mentioned so far? I, like part of like the continuation of the uh, the showdown at Duel Three, like it pretty much bleeds straight into another story where uh, the our crew gets like um and can't split up and crash landed on a giant water planet, so they can't do like the water world and pirate sort of thing. And that was like a really fun sort of thing. Plus, it I it does nicely establish that Luke definitely does not know how to swim, and that that's always like you know kind of like a nice refreshing like oh boy. I don't know how to swim, guys. I've never seen this much water ever. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know what? At first, I laughed, and then, like in mo, like if you go back and watch this, you can kind of see me, me, me go through it in real time. Like, haha! Of course, he, why would he know? Or he doesn't know how to swim. Oh wait, there's no reason for him to know. How <laughs> there's to not swim. exactly a community <laughs> pool on on Tatooine. <laughs> Oh my goodness! All right. Well, there's. Uh, I, we're gonna toss back to Trevor one more time because I I, I couldn't uh, have him be a part of this show uh, without allowing him to ask uh, us a question that we can di- can di- can discuss live. So, um, Emma, why don't you toss it back to Trevor one more time uh, so he can ask us our our last question of the night? So before I let you go, uh, I, I wanted to know if there was anything that you like me to take back to the rest of the team you know there's any 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 discussion points or any any thought-provoking questions that you might have uh for the rest of us to to discuss uh all a cosmic force and then maybe you know have have some some interaction with those that are in the live chat as well um okay so obviously all of you guys are coming to this from a position of not having read them uh i'd be really interested to know how how you think they hold up obviously there's very little connective tissue between these and everything that came after mm-hmm. from the 90s legends canon there's very little that really syncs up but were there any stories that you were surprised at the depth of the storytelling or how um you could how strong the characters were or did you all kind of think of it as more throwaway it'd be really right. interesting to see how someone connects to it 40 years down the line all right. Well, that's a great question, and uh, I look forward. I'm I'm going to save my answer for for the for the live show as well, so uh, so that way we can all talk. But uh, uh, before I let you go, are there any other last comments that uh, that you want to make on on this run or this book or any titles or any specific storylines that you want to uh, to to plug? Let's uh, here, here here's your chance to to get let the the Cosmic Force audience into what uh, what Trevor finds most amazing about this book. Okay, I'm going to hit you with a couple of issue numbers that I want everyone to do as homework if they so choose after this uh, show. So issue 7 to 16 that we spoke about, go and get them. Issue 50, which is the Crimson Forever, that is the um, issue that actually had a Legends sequel released a couple of years ago as an issue 108. Yes. Um, So that's worth checking out. Uh, from Who Gibbs is issue 56. Issue... 70, Shantus of the Stars has Leia doing karaoke and little Ewok-type creatures that turn into massive Hulk-type creatures when they hit puberty and get slightly turned on by Leia singing. And then issue 80, I've spoken about this on the Star Wars archives before. It's a really 
really serious story about trying to find a couple of rebel spies who are searching for the plans for the second Death Star and 3PO falls in love and it's heartbreaking. Anyone write those numbers down, go and check those issues and let us all know what you think. Oh my gosh. I, I, I haven't had a chance to read all of them, but every single time I hear you or I, I research a story, uh, I get very excited to, to read this. And I'm really <laughs> looking forward to, uh, to, to really dive it into this because it's, it's fascinating. I, I, I would love to see, to, to experience these. So, well, Trevor, I, I appreciate you taking some time to, to, to talk with me and uh, I hope that we can, can get you on with the rest of the crew in a, in a live session in the near future. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Happy to help. All right, so that's that. That's a question of of the night, and I think that's a question that we kind of wanted to. It's I, we. I didn't even 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 give him any any heads up on that, but I, I feel like that was kind of the question that we wanted to answer uh, when we when we decided to do this show. Um, and and for me, I'll go first. It's it's sort of does it hold up compared to today's standards? I would say no. But if you could look at this, because you know, there's a lot of things that are different in the comics industry. Uh, you know, Caleb had mentioned that a lot of the, the the writing was shorter, and they kind of the stories were a little bit more self contained, and and I think that we've seen a, a pattern in 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 comics now to be a little bit more serialized and have a have a you know instead of a monster of the week or or a problem of the week or a month that it's it's now a an ongoing saga, and and as we were talking about at the beginning of in, in our pre show, you know, a lot of the the layouts there's is there's so many more words. On a page, you know, if, if I were to hold this up, you know, there's there's probably 25 different thought bubbles uh, on one page. And and in, in comics nowadays, you know, there's there might be 300, 350 words in an entire book. So I think it, it really is a it's an amazing time capsule into a real distinct era in comics and if you look at it from that lens and you enjoy all the freedom and all the amazing creativity that goes into it from that perspective it absolutely holds up so so you know i i am extremely excited to to, to read more of this i really encourage those of you who who especially have a digital subscription to take some time and to read some of these because i think you're going to be really entertained uh, i'm going to go to uh, to caleb next to see what your your perspective is ditto i mean it's it's kind of similar yeah there's um there's some really great storytelling i'm not necessarily the most art sort of for guy i love it when a uh i love stories i love creativity i like seeing when an author can have like you know create things that are fun and interesting in that case it's amazing if you Mm -hmm. if you're like a creative one, like you want to like ever plan like D and D campaigns or Star Wars role playing game sort of things. This is a treasure trove. There's so many great <laughs> ideas here that might be a little out of the normal sort of wheelhouse, but you can add on so many things. You want to have a pirate campaign? Go for it. You want to go to the gambling central of the world and have a giant, you know, um, gladiatorial combat? They have established that. There's a lot of really great like moments here so you know you have to uh is the writing as good as the current series i don't think so but i think the stories and the creativity on display it i think it might be a little better i think there's like some moments yeah. that are just Absolutely. better and they run through it a lot quicker it the pace it's a lot wordier but the pace is a lot quicker so you can plow through these a little bit easier if you just kind of 
just get the villain dialogue, just kind of get on to like the, the cool like establishing shots. There's a lot of fun to be had in this series. I really like it a lot. Emma, how about you close us out? Yeah, so honestly, does it hold up story-wise? Probably not. Does it hold up style-wise? No. But <laughs> if you read it with the the idea that it was written over 40 years ago and you walk into it with that mindset, you're going to have a fun time. Um, and I mean, you know, I wasn't around uh, to read comics in this era, obviously, but, you know, I can appreciate the style that it brings, the the methods of, of storytelling that it brings. And, you know, there are things in here to enjoy, even if it's not like your typical sort of comic book that you would read in 2021. And that's okay. Like, it's fun to appreciate the older stuff. I mean, we all appreciate the movie from 1977, so why can't we appreciate the series from 1977? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and I, I like to visit this art style. I don't think that I could sit through all 107 issues and read it straightforward because I think... I would get a headache from the amount of words or, or seeing that amount of art, uh, that, that length of art in that style. But, I, I, you know, popping in every once in a while, reading a handful of stories and then popping back out and looking at the different adaptations of the movies, uh, you know, that's, that's something that, that you, you, you can't get. And, and it was written in a time that, you know, you could do and, and, and say a lot more things that, uh, that, that, that you could... There's a lot more. There's a lot more criticism. There's a lot more negativity. There's a lot more things that that and, and things that you can't attempt to do because of the way that we are with social media, and it would just you know, it it, it would would not be received as as well. And, and and everything ages ages well. I think that 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 also has a lot to do with it. And when you have a community like Utini who who looks for the positives and 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 criticizes where 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 and comments negatively where where necessary, but really understands the positivity. I think that you will really appreciate this uh, this this project. So, all right, final words from Emma about this about yeah. this book. Yeah, that was very well said, Tyler. Um, I agree with all of it. You know, it was it was really fun to go back and read these uh, with you guys because I don't think I would have if we weren't talking about it on the show. And and now now I'm stuck and I want to read all of them. So. Um, you know, this is this is good. You know, sometimes you just need that little extra push to read something that you might not have in the first place. And um, I definitely appreciate it for for what it is. And and I'm glad to have uh, had a chance to chat about it with you guys. And and also thank you, Trevor, for uh, answering yes. those questions for us. Um, that was really awesome. I know with you know time zones, it was really difficult to get you live, but. Uh, um, we were just so happy to have your knowledge um, in some capacity. So thanks again, Trev. Absolutely. Caleb, last words before we, we close out? I'm going to just echo what Trev said. And you got to read issues. I think it's 7 through 16. That gets you everything you need to know about this series. There, it gives you a couple of good story arcs, some really great character moments. You know, you get to read Jackson and Don Quixote. So read <laughs> 7 through 16. It's on It's on Marvel Unlimited. Get yourself a, a, a trial there and give that a try. Absolutely. All right. Well, 
with, with that said, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Cosmic Force. Uh, a special, special thank you to Trevor uh, for offering his knowledge uh, and time to join us today. Uh, and a special thank you to all of you joining us live. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts or here right here on, on YouTube. Uh, and tune in every Wednesday at 8 o'clock uh, to hear us live. And again, if you can't c- catch us live, that's okay. You can subscribe to this to us here on YouTube and watch all of our videos whenever you want to or wherever you get your favorite podcasts uh, on any platform that is available. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or any of those other platforms. It very much helps the other listeners find the show. Uh, and uh, we uh, again, we always love hearing hearing from you all. So please, uh, if you like us, uh, give us a review, and, and we do really appreciate you. Uh, be sure to visit utini.com for reviews, articles, and news for the entire expanded universe. We also encourage you to join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. If you'd like to help support the show, you can find us on patreon.com slash utini and start receiving exclusive perks starting at just $5 a month. A special thank you to Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sanders on our Jedi High Council, as well as Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. All of you provide amazing support just like the rest of, the, the rest of our community. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can tweet the show at Cosmic Force Show or at the host individually. I'm at Ty Rags. Emma is at Irma Jedi 26. Caleb is at Caleb Lamanek. Jacob is at Jacob Bosch. And Trevor is at Davy Todd. Uh, until next week. Next week we have a fun show to you for, in store for you. We are doing another artist spotlight, uh, and this time it'll be on Will Sliney. So uh, make sure you guys. It'll be a fun show to watch live. Uh, so because there's going to be a lot of art that we're going to show off. So I encourage you to check us out live next Wednesday at eight o'clock. But until then, uh, may the force be with you. 